and welcome back to the Ways to Flourish podcast, where we discuss how to flourish through our challenges and elevate voices across William & Mary's campus. I'm Eric Garrison, one of the assistant directors of health promotion, and today we're going to be speaking to Hannah Artelis-Stravers and Katie Grudwile about consent. Hannah is one of my fellow assistant directors in the Office of Health Promotion. Katie is a junior here at the university. Hannah, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, yes. So good to be here. So glad to have you. Thanks, Eric. I've been at the university for six months. I focus in sexual violence prevention and response. Thank you. And Katie, can you share with our audience a little about you? Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Eric. I am a junior here at William & Mary. I'm a double major in English and Gender, Sexuality, and Women's Studies, and I am the president of our sexual violence advocacy group and peer education group, someone you know. Fantastic. So the topic of today is consent. So I'm going to throw it out there. What is consent from from your standpoint? Yeah, um, I think consent really is just the way that we really choose how we want to be and how we want to exist and relate to other people in this world. I think it kind of formatting your understanding of how you function in this world in terms of consent really kind of allows you to reclaim a lot of choices that may have otherwise been taken from you, especially when, if you're growing up in a marginalized identity, consent is so essential to reclaim your space and kind of reclaim yourself in this space. Mm. And so that's what I think is really cool about practicing consent and learning about consent really teaching people how to actively choose things, how to make sure that their choices are for them and making sure that they feel comfortable making those choices and giving them the skills to make those choices. Thank you. Hannah, anything you'd like to add to that? Yeah, I think that's great um, to think about consent broadly when we talk about it in terms of sort of the antidote or the prevention for sexual violence. I think it's important for us to talk about how consent has, in the past, folks have thought about it as no means no, or sort of a lack of interest is not a yes, and we really want to, or that it is a yes, and with, uh, being um, still or silent being a not a yes is the message we want to get across. So what we're looking for in consent is enthusiastic. Once you've learned to own your space and take up your space um, to really to own your experience and be enthusiastic about it, be enthusiastically engaged in your sexual interactions so that everybody is having a good time. Now, Hannah, you and I talk about in our work that we need to work with knowledge, attitude, and behavior or skills. You gave a wonderful background, both of you did, on what consent means. But when it comes to the skills piece, what are some of the skills that people need to make consent happen? How to make it manifest itself? Yeah, so I think the first is just kind of following up about what Katie said in terms of making space for yourself, learning what it is you're interested in. Some of us have been socialized to have less space to say what we want or what we desire out of sexual intimacy. So sometimes that means writing a journal entry or taking some time to say, I like this, I don't like that. Just reflect on your own, what you're looking for in a partner. And then it's about setting that boundary and communication skills. Yeah, absolutely. I think that consent, it's really kind of refocusing your experience on you. And I think, like Hannah said, so many of us have been socialized to have less space, to be entitled to less space or to relinquish some of our own space. And really just consent as being 
a refocusing of your experience on you because those choices may have been taken from you otherwise. And if you're not in a place where like sexual experiences are happening for you, you can practice consent in other ways. Like how much space you want your roommate to take up in the fridge or who does what chores around your apartment if you have other people that you're living with or who takes the dog out. Pretty simple stuff that we can choose to do every day that kind of reaffirms the space that we do take up. And I think kind of training yourself to do that and making sure that you are in a space that is safe for you to explore those things is really essential to being comfortable practicing consent. I hadn't thought about this until just now, but what advice would we give the person who says, you know what, I, I know I should be saying yes to this or no to this, or I'm not sure about this, but it's just really hard for me to do right now in the situation that I'm in. What advice could we give those people where it's the hard thing to do and it's the right thing to do? Yeah, I think part of learning about consent and really exploring making consent an important value in your life is to look at those spaces where it is hard to either say what your, what your boundary is, what you give consent to or don't, or where you feel pressure to not listen to other people giving consent. That's often where we find challenges of sexual violence existing. Mm. We're talking about gender stereotypes and norm, socializing norm behaviors of folks who maybe feel pressure to, I'm at a party, this is what I'm supposed to do. It doesn't seem like they're really into it, but I'm going to keep trying. I've been told to be persistent versus somebody saying, in this space, I don't feel like anyone's hearing how I'm actually doing. And we're sort of just going along with what the movies tell us to do and not exploring with each other what we like. So that communication about how much space in the fridge or who does what chores, um, it really comes down to that. What is it that you like? What are you expecting out of this uh, moment, whether that be you know, the middle of the day or that night, what is it that you're looking for? Is this long-term? Is this short-term? When you've practiced to yourself what you are looking for, it's easier to share it with another person. But you got to practice it because you will be in spaces where society, culture, cultural norms, and, and the moment make it really challenging to find your voice and speak up. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that I've kind of just been practicing personally kind of over the years is like if I'm going out with friends for a night, or if I'm going over to a partner's place, I will usually like set a boundary like beforehand, like, okay, like I don't want to have sex with this person tonight, or I'm only going to have like, I don't know, three drinks tonight. And just really sticking to that and making sure that like when you practice like tiny little boundaries like that, it's really just you honoring your own wishes. And it doesn't have to be about the other people that are involved. It can just be about you kind of navigating what you are comfortable with kind of on your own terms. Seems like the more you honor your own experiences of setting boundaries, the easier it becomes to communicate them. I want to just also flip the, the narrative a little bit about the importance of listening and asking for others' consent. So we start with talking about you defining your own boundaries and your own interests because it is, um, and it's specific to each person, Right. It's intimate. It's it's your own desires. But we also have an expectation in our community that we're finding out from our partners what it is they like. So in addition to practicing communicating your interests, it's important that uh, we practice being told what somebody likes. And whether it's new to us or whether it's hurts hurts us a little bit, we feel it as like a rejection. 
we need to practice how to move through that because consent is our value, not because society says we're supposed to hook up tonight or because I'm supposed to get to our final destination uh, in sex instead of allowing that road to take you different directions depending on who your partner is at the time and what they're interested in. So self-reflection about what you want, but also making sure that you're asking and, and looking for consent from your partner for a better time. And I think one of the most difficult things for many students is what happens when you get to that no? You know, is it a complete no or is it, okay, let's back up and no matter what the situation might be, is there an, is there an alternative or are we getting to that coercive phase where it's like now we're really uncomfortable? But yeah. are there those spaces where someone says, no, not that, but this, you know, yeah. where we can, you know, have that communication piece? I'm really glad you brought that up, Eric, because a lot of times when I do workshops with college students, we'll present scenarios where there is not consent and we ask, how would you move forward? And so often students in the group are like, you get up and leave. And yes, is getting up good better than perpetrating sexual assault? But it's kind of an awkward moment to just get up and leave. And because somebody didn't want to have sex doesn't mean they don't want to like, you know, dry hump and make out for the night. Right? So I'm glad you brought that up because how do we handle that rejection of, oh, okay, or maybe it's not even rejection, but this change of course. Okay, this is going to go a different way than I had pictured it. So uh, with that in mind, what am I, where am I going to compromise? Where are we going to meet now in the future? Um, do you want to watch a movie? I'm sorry, was I just moving too fast? Do you hate this music? Oh, I just got a text from my mom. I just need to deal with that a minute. And then maybe in a half hour, 45 minutes, I'll be more back in the mood. Uh, Right now, I'm not, right? So allowing for some of that discovery together is really beautiful. Um, Instead of just like, oh, they said no, or they hesitated, or they resisted, or they put some sort of request like to wear a condom or whatever the request might be. Now I just have to shut it down and get out of here. Um, I think there's space there for conversation and, and moving forward together. And I know Katie mentioned about, you know, space in the refrigerator and other things that are non-sexual. Um, but I find when it is sexual, it's always bothered me that sex is easier to do than to talk about. <laughs> and I, I wish that could be reversed, that we could talk about it as openly and freely as as it is to, you know, to have. Um, I also, listening to both of you, I love when you were talking about honoring yourself and you reflected on that, Hannah, about, you know, when Katie was talking about that, is the the power of the I statement, um, and I think about my my parents who were both therapists, and every week um, they would run through this list of I need less uh, less of this, I need more of this, and I really loved it when. So you got to hear those I statements. I need you know you know less hand holding and more kissing, and I really loved it when we kissed for thirty minutes last Tuesday. So it was an I statement, not saying, hey, you never kiss me or you hold my hand too much. It was those I statements. And then there was that, you know, I really loved it when, which gave you this this point in time of saying, well, in case you're not understanding what I'm talking about, here's the exact time when that happened. Mm-hmm. And that's like with affirmative consent is, you know, we can say, you know, that thing you did to me last Tuesday, can we do it for another 20 minutes? Or, hey, can we not do that, but do something very similar? So mm-hmm. we can have those callbacks too. And those call forwards. I know you're going to be speaking with us, you know, in another episode on self-pleasure and consent and, and where those those pieces yeah, go. Yeah, thinking about what you like. Some folks might might have never thought about that, right? Our society doesn't say to young people, you are owner of your body and you get to decide what you like or don't like. Um, we just don't really hear that message very often. If we have great parents who, who are good at this kind of thing and have had that conversation with us, that's great. 
I think most of us are missing that um, piece. And so, yeah, we'll talk about that in the future. But when you talk about partners, I need more of this or less of that, that conversation so important. I worked with a student who was in a relationship where spontaneous sexual interaction was really challenging as a as a somebody who had experienced trauma and their partner when they suggested that or said you know when it's spontaneous it's really uncomfortable for me I don't feel prepared and then their partner said well if it's not spontaneous it loses all of the sexual value like the fun in it it's can't really I don't really think about planning it ahead of time and and then they were able to just knowing that that was a challenge, the spontaneity was a challenge, they were able to shape what their interactions looked like so that it was fun and off the cuff and spontaneous for the partner, but also that they were feeling prepared and safe in that space. So you don't know what people's likes and dislikes are, but having that conversation is helpful. That's awesome. And then, Katie, I'm going to turn it back to you, and I don't mean to tokenize you as the only student in the room, and I clearly don't mean this in that way, but where on campus have we seen this manifested? And where have we on, on campus have we seen students exercising some really good consent work? Yeah, I think that, honestly, the Let's Get Consensual campaign was a really cool thing that we did here to really, like, revamp the consent conversation and kind of show how deep consent really goes, talking about it in all the different ways that we do it, like social media consent, consent when it comes to COVID situations, consent and other kinds of relationships, consent and like sending nude pictures. We have so many different ways that consent enters our lives. And I think the Let's Get Consensual campaign was like a really key part in that. And the vast majority of it was student-led, which is really cool. And I think that shows that students are wanting to get this conversation started and students recognize how important consent is and how it really does kind of influence like every single facet of our lives. Like you, for some, to some degree, choose what classes you're going to take depending on your major, like you're going to choose your advisor, choose what dorm you're going to live in, if they're okay dorms. Like students, they do understand consent. And they just need the tools to talk about it. So I think that's part of why I'm really excited about this podcast, because this seems like such a good way to do it. Like short episodes, super clear information. I think that's just, this is a podcast that students are going to use, really. I'm glad you said that, Katie, because I think you're right that students know more about consent than ever when they're coming into our institution. And so that brings us to, but in the and the actual skills, how do we get that perpetration number down? Or how do we decrease these uncomfortable moments? And so I just would empower listeners to think about consent as necessary, which I think most of us do, and then think of it as as sexy. So like you said, Eric, how come we can't, like everything, everybody wants it. We all have it. We all try to have it. We want to have it, whatever. But we can't talk about it. We do it without talking about it. I really want to empower students to think about talking about sex and what your partner likes as part of the foreplay and part of the fun of getting to know each other. Katie and Hannah, thank you so much for being here today. This has been really exciting to have this discussion about consent. And I hope for our listeners, this is just maybe one of the entrances to this discussion, that it's not the only time they hear about this, but through someone you know and through Hannah's work, that everybody out there gets to to learn a little bit more and to have that self-reflection about this consent piece. So from the physically distant and uh, wonderful space down here in the Ford uh, classroom here in the Swim Library, I want to thank everybody out there for tuning in today. I want to thank my guest today. Please come back on Thursday when we will have these two back with me to discuss uh, self-love and sexuality. So as always, we'd like to thank our sponsor, United Healthcare. 
And again, this podcast is brought to you by Colin Cross, Brittany Emmons, Lindsay Heck, and myself, Eric Garrison.